Let's pray together and just go to Jesus now. and Ask him to empower us to hear his word, uh, me to proclaim his word, and uh, just for him to move in this place today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the beauty of that song. Not just the beauty of the tune, not just the beauty of the musicians and the vocalists, but the beauty that you've written into those words and the power that comes. We speak the name of Jesus into our lives. We pray that you'd come now, Lord Jesus, to inspire us, to fill us with your spirit, to inspire the reading of your word, that just as you inspired the writing, that you would inspire it anew as we read over it. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire this proclamation, that as you've worked in the office as, as a planned and studied, that you'll work now as it's proclaimed, and you'll do even more than certainly that I could have hoped or imagined. And Lord, move your people. Move us to follow you, the good shepherd. So we come and we speak the name of Jesus over this time in your holy word. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're continuing in, in John, and I'm just going to look at the first six verses. We, we spent a great deal of time in this chapter when I preached the I Am series, but I want to back up and, and just point out a few things. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Well, the Bible refers to Jesus by many titles. Uh, in fact, some lists say that there are approximately 70 titles or more uh, for Jesus, like the Alpha and the Omega, the author and perfecter of our faith, the branch the bread of life, the cornerstone, the, the consolation of Israel, the great high priest, the holy one of God, and the list could go on and on and on. But one of the most endearing names or titles for Jesus is the one we encounter in our text today, the shepherd. And I love the paintings of Jesus, the shepherd, holding a lamb in his arms, don't you? I love them because I, I know of the times that he's held me when I've been hurting. I, I know of the times when he's prodded me or even snatched me up when I was about to get into trouble or into danger. I also know the times when he's scolded me and forgiven me when I've given in to temptation. And the Old Testament had prophesied that, that the Messiah would come and he would shepherd his people. Micah 5, 4, for example, says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord 
in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. The New Testament, of course, over and over speaks of Jesus as shepherd. Matthew 2.6, quoting Micah 5.2, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Predicting his disciples would all fall away, Jesus in Matthew 26.31 quoted Zechariah 13 and said, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Peter in 1 Peter 2.25 referred to Jesus as the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. But nowhere is Jesus more clearly depicted as shepherd than in John chapter 10. And, And it's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Throughout Israel's history, sheep and shepherding had been part of their agrarian life. They understood that sheep are among the most helpless and defenseless of animals. They also understood how easily they stray. He also understood how the people did, how dirty they can become. Therefore, they also understood that the work of a shepherd meant constant oversight. There was always leading to do. There was always rescuing to do. There was always cleaning to do. There was shearing as well. Thus being a shepherd was good training for leading people. Some of Israel's greatest leaders had been shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, of course. The great King David had been a shepherd. So Jesus, the master teacher, is taking all that people know from their everyday life about sheep and shepherding, and he's going to use that to contrast himself, the good shepherd, with all the false shepherds. And like any job, there were those shepherds who were good at what they did, and there were those who were not. There were those who would risk all for the care of their sheep, and there were those who would abuse the sheep, and they really didn't care for them at all. So Jesus begins our text contrasting these two, verses 1 and 2. Truly, truly, or amen, amen, or pay attention, I'm about to say something important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. In this context, the sheepfold is Israel, and Jesus is both the shepherd as well as the door. Jesus leads them, and he is the way. He's the way to salvation, the way of salvation. The thieves and the robbers, they're the long line of false shepherds or false teachers, like all the authorities who have been attacking Jesus over and over again. And these false shepherds were warned in the Old Testament. Ezekiel, for example, was told to prophesy against them. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. 
The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. You see, many of the religious authorities were false shepherds. They didn't care for the Israelites. Instead, they were only out for what they could get. Ezekiel 34 goes on to say that that God is against these false shepherds. He's going to put a stop to them. And he's going to call out his sheep and rescue them. So Jesus in our text is basically saying, folks, God is fulfilling Ezekiel 34 in your presence. I am the good shepherd. I'm the one calling my people out. And the gatekeeper in verse 3 was a hired hand who watched over the sheep at night. We went over this when I preached the I Am series, but in the day, shepherds would graze their sheep in the surrounding area, but at night, they would bring them back into a common sheepfold, and there the gatekeeper would watch over them. They hired this man to stay with them overnight. The next morning, the shepherd would come, each shepherd would come, and they would call out their sheep by name, or they would just call in their sheep knew their voices, which is what Jesus refers to at the end of verses 3 and 4. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The, the context here again is that each morning a shepherd would go and he would return and he would call out his sheep and they could recognize his voice. A Philip Keller in A Shepherd Looks at, at, a good, at the Good Shepherd writes this, The relationship which rapidly developed between a shepherd and the sheep is to a definite degree dependent upon the use of the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are acquainted with its unique tone. They know its peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person. If a stranger should come among them, they would not recognize nor respond to his voice in the same way they would that of the shepherd. Even if the visitor should use all the same words and all the same calls as their rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. Even if you've never had sheep, you you probably understand this from, say, a dog that you've had. If it's your dog and it's an obedient dog, that may be a big if there, but if it's an obedient dog and well-trained and you call his or her name, they're likely to come back to you. But if I go in your yard and I call them, they're a lot more likely just to ignore me. We had a a beagle mix named Mandy, and Mandy was incredibly stubborn. She would rarely listen to Jeanette or the girls, rarely, when, when they called them. But there was something about the inflection or the depth of my voice that Mandy would often listen when I called her back. I, I don't know, maybe it was because I was the alpha male, In fact, I was the only male in my family, but that's a whole other message for another day. But somehow Mandy listened to my voice better than she did Jeanette and the girls. 
Jesus says, likewise, my sheep, my people, they know my voice. They answer my call and they follow. They've been following me. In our case, they've been reading Scripture. They know who Jesus is and what He's like. And so they know they can discern the spirits and they know when Jesus is leading. And I think Jesus is also painting a picture here of what we in reform circles like to refer to as effectual calling to salvation. They're called to, they're, those called to salvation will listen to Jesus. His people hear His voice and they follow Him. And notice Jesus is bringing out His own. The gospel truth that Jesus is the Savior may be preached to thousands, but not everyone will listen. Are you one of His own? Have you heard His voice? And are you following Him? And I want to come back to that question in a moment, but I want to paint a picture of what I believe is at least pointing towards another great reform doctrine in this text. Verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I've read and studied this text many times, but this time through the commentary work of John MacArthur uh, by reading it, I saw that this verse gives us a picture at least of what we call the perseverance of the saints, or some may call it the preservation of the saints, meaning true believers will not abandon Christ, the good shepherd, to follow false shepherds referred to as strangers in verse 5. Oh, we may stray for a season, but if we are genuinely saved, we will not utterly and completely deny and turn away from Jesus. Those who abandon their faith only prove that their faith in salvation was never genuine. John will later write this truth in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Jesus prayed in John 17, 12, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and, have, and, not, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The son of destruction is Judas. He was lost because he never was truly with Jesus. But all the rest remained. Thomas had his doubts. Peter had his denials. But they never completely turned away from Christ. Now, not everyone believes in the perseverance of the saints. Some people believe that, that you can lose your salvation. And they point to texts like Hebrews 6, which gives us a warning regarding uh, those who seem to have come to Christ but have walked away. It's a long text. I didn't have time to put it here. I'd urge you to read it. Or they point to Paul's concern about uh, becoming disqualified in 1 Corinthians 9. But I don't believe you lose your salvation. As I've already said, leaving the good shepherd only proves we were never saved. The essence of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is this. If you have saving faith, you never lose it. And if you lose it, you never had it. And I believe the perseverance of the saints, I believe in it first and foremost because like salvation, it doesn't depend upon you and I. It depends upon the grace of Jesus. 
Paul in Philippians 1, 6, writing to believers, said, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The song we sang uh, earlier. Be faithful to complete it. In writing to Romans, believers, he wrote in Romans 8, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, God in Christ Jesus. And more importantly, Jesus will say later in John 10, verses 27 and 28, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I believe if you're born again, if you've been regenerated, you will persevere not because of any attribute of your own, but because Jesus has loved us and no one will snatch us out of his hand. I believe he'll bring the good work of your salvation to completion on the day of judgment, and that ought to encourage us. So all that I've said today begs this question, are you following Jesus? Have you heard his call? Have you answered? Are you safe in his arms? Are you assured of your salvation? I worry that too many Christians don't have the assurance of their salvation. But, beloved, Romans 10, 9 states that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no maybes here, folks. If you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That said, the evidence of your salvation is following Jesus. Good works will never save you, but the proof that you're saved is that you're following after Christ. You're seeking to live as Jesus lived. You're seeking to love as he loved. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He's worthy of following. He's worthy of following for at least three reasons. He created you. The good shepherd, Jesus, is the one who gave you life. He redeemed you. The good shepherd, Jesus, is the one that gave his life upon the cross for you. He sustained you. The good shepherd is at the right hand of the Father praying for you right now. And he imparted the Holy Spirit to sustain you day in and day out. The good shepherd, Jesus, is worthy of following and I believe if you give your life to him, I truly believe he will not let you go. If you're hearing his calling today, please listen. Please accept his invitation. Follow his voice. And if you long ago answered his call, keep following. Don't stray. Be encouraged. He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. For you are sheep of the good shepherd. And no one can snatch you out of his hands. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that 
those who are saved have a great assurance of their salvation. That maybe even if they strayed, maybe if they wandered, that they would be assured that you're drawing them back. Assure those who may be struggling this very day that they can persevere because you have them. That it's by your grace. Lord, thank you that you gave us life, you redeemed our lives, you sustain our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for those areas where we're not following you as we should. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that there is no more worthy path to follow, no shepherd, no, no more worthy to follow, that you're the one that's worth following. And if someone's hearing your call today for the first time, I pray they will answer and they'll follow you. Maybe you're calling someone today in a new way. Maybe someone's being called to serve in a way they've never served, a way they've never even thought about serving, but you're calling. And I pray that you will answer them. Lord, whatever the situation, whatever the call, I pray we will answer. I pray we will follow. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor, glory, and praise today and forevermore. Amen. I want to offer you this benediction from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.